You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Well, it's Friday, and obviously uh, it's Friday, February 3rd. The news today, and it's going to be that way all day and in the night and tomorrow, is this uh, incredible cold front that has approached. And it is pretty interesting, folks, to watch how the temperature is literally dropping every single hour but the real-time temperature now tonight as i said tonight it's it's going to start to um really drop but it's um i mean it's basically going to feel below zero uh most of the day into the night and then tonight is a night i i just can't imagine that if you have an option that you'd want to be outside it's the temperature is going to be below zero starting i think right around not like feels like the feels like temperature but the true i think starting at 11 o'clock tonight it will in fact start to um the temperature will be below zero and then it'll be very very cold all day tomorrow but the good news is one how about some good news on this friday all right why not the good news is that once that leaves, and it sounds like all day tomorrow, actually, it's going to be very, very cold. But Sunday, it bounces back to 44 degrees. <laughs> so it really just seems to be kind of a, well, it's today and tomorrow. I know that doesn't help. And then just looking ahead, um, it's not, we're not going to have this temperature or this weather, frigid cold, brutal cold for the entire week monday will be 48 degrees and then one week ago from today the temperature will be over 50 but it's definitely going to be cold so i think i think it's one of those days if you don't have to go anywhere certainly tonight don't go anywhere i was out last night did cranston pd live you can watch that we'll have that up on um it's definitely on facebook but we'll also have it up on my youtube channel john dipetro show and then also on the website dipetro.com where we have links to all our different programs now boston globe has quite the exclusive the boston globe they sat down with the defense attorney uh, regarding lindsey glancy an excellent job by two reporters for the globe john element nick stoko here is the story they have i believe the exclusive lindsey glancy was over medicated on several prescription drugs defense lawyer says so i'm going to go through the whole thing because it's extremely important when she allegedly strangled her three children inside their duxbury home lindsey glancy was in the throes of homicidal suicidal thoughts due to over medication a variety of prescription drugs her new defense attorney kevin reddington he's well-known experience told the globe <clears throat> one of the major issues here is the horrific over medication of drugs that can call caused homicidal suicidal uh, ideas no overdose by lindsay they lindsay her husband went to doc this is the attorney now went to doctors repeatedly saying please help us this was turning into a zombie. The medications that were prescribed were over the top, absolutely over the top. Now, folks, 
I do want to caution you. This is her defense attorneys. Now, we also heard Brian Walsh fully expects to be exonerated in the murder of his wife, Anna Walsh. But <clears throat> being that as it may, Lindsay Glancy, um, 32-year-old labor delivery nurse at Mass General, widely believed to be in the throes of postpartum mood disorder, when she allegedly strangled her infant son, Callan, five-year-old daughter, Cora, three-year-old son, Dawson, inside the family's Summer Street home. It's over-medication, absolutely over-medications, possibly with a component of postpartum depression, said Reddington, who has hired a forensic medical mental health expert and toxicologist to build Lindsay Clancy's defense. And I want to repeat that because there's a word missing from what he, he just said, and it's worth repeating. It's over-medication, absolutely over medications possibly with a component possibly possibly with a component of postpartum depression now this is her defense attorney now he added she has had medical care and treatment on a regular basis and her husband was very proactive in trying to protect her help her with the doctor's medication she was prescribed they went through hell and they didn't come back the word that is missing is psychosis we have had so many people in the past week. She had psychosis. That's what she suffered from. You are not hearing that from her defense attorney. Over medication, possibly with a component of postpartum depression. Lindsay Glancy, this gets important, remains in a Boston hospital recovering from a suicide attempt that left her unable to walk, said Reddington, who declined to use the word paralyzed because he's not seen a written medical record that explicitly states she's lost the ability to control her body. That's another important part. She is unable to walk. Doesn't mean she's paralyzed. She can't get out of bed. This is her defense attorney now. She can't walk. I don't know what the medical prognosis is regarding that, but right now she cannot walk. She's 32 years old. She's not in good physical shape. She's not in good emotional shape. She's not going to get out of bed and walk out of the room. Reddington said on January 24th, that was last Tuesday night, a week ago, Patrick Clancy left home to do some shopping at CVS and picked up the takeout food. But four minutes after returning home around 6 o'clock, he called 911. Patrick was not warned by medical professionals not to leave Lindsay Clancy alone with the children, says her attorney. No, when asked if Clancy was warned not to leave her alone with the children. Not that I'm aware of. Of course not. He loved her. He knew she was a great mother, fantastic person. Now, We'll just let that statement sit there for a moment. It certainly doesn't match up with everything else that preceded it. So she's a zombie. It's getting worse. They're begging for help. But he wasn't warned not to leave her alone? Okay. He went to CVS and then for takeout. We'll see what some... I mean, that's going to take a while to flesh out. He is not facing any charges here. They talk about what he wrote on GoFundMe, blah, blah, blah. I'm asking all of you to forgive her as I have. Plymouth County District Attorney Tim Cruz 
along with Duxbury and State Police, alleged during the time Patrick Glancy was out of the house, Lindsay Glancy murdered two of her children, tried to kill her third child, injured herself, and jumped out a second-floor window, falling 20 feet into the backyard. Her third child later died, eight-month-old Callan. Reddington, her attorney, declined to discuss the specifics of what Lindsay Glancy allegedly did to her children, saying he had not been provided detailed information from law enforcement yet. Now, that possibly could come out Tuesday. We're going to get to the part that apparently she's going to be arraigned on Tuesday at 2 o'clock. That, to me, will be a game changer. Number one, I believe this story and the initial statements from her defense attorney are a game changer because it's not psychosis. It is over-medication is becoming the defense. When we learn the method of how, what she did to those children, I think that's another game changer. Okay. He declined to discuss the specifics of what she did. But he said the emergence, what he, belo- he believes to be objective evidence of over-medication, does not mean he's abandoning a defense of not guilty by reason of insanity when, as expected, she's tried on three counts of murder in the future. Now, this is interesting. We'll, we will at some point speak with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. The black letter law definition of lack of criminal responsibility in Massachusetts says that if a person suffers from a mental disease or defect, that makes it impossible for them to conform their behavior to legal norms. They could be found not guilty of a crime due to their disturbed mental status. In Massachusetts, if you have involuntary intoxication, that would be a defect. Said the person, and the person can be found to have lack of criminal responsibility, said Reddington. Now that's according to him. This gives you insight, and again, this is in the Boston Globe on this Friday. This gives you insight is the path that they are going to travel down or attempt to travel down. So they're going into that because of the medication, she had a defect. Again, they need some defense. According to this attorney, between her attorney, the attorney for Lindsay Glancy, between last October and January, Lindsay Glancy was prescribed a total of 12 different medications. And then they list them. They were, I may not pronounce all of them correctly, Zolpidum, which is sold under the brand name Ambien, Clonzepam, which is sold under the brand name Aclonopin, Dizepam, sold under the brand name Valium, Fluxetin, which is sold under the brand name Prozac, Lamotrin, which is sold under the brand name Lamisel, Lorenzapam, which is sold under the brand name Ativan, Maribin, which is sold under the brand name Remrin, something else, Seroquel, and Trazodin, which is known by the, the generic name. And I think an interesting question, did she get access to these drugs because of her work as a nurse? We don't know. Reddington said the criminal process will begin this Tuesday, coming up Tuesday, 2 o'clock. Lindsey Glancy appears via Zoom, while he, the prosecutor and the judge, they will meet in Plymouth District Court for her delayed arraignment. So this Tuesday at 2 o'clock, she's in the hospital on Zoom, 
and there in the courtroom she will be arraigned three charges of murder. Reddington said he'll raise the issue of over-medication during the arraignment, hoping to convince the judge her medical status is so dire she should not be made to await trial at the state's prison for women, MCI Framingham, or the Shattuck Hospital, I don't think that's related to Tom, in Jamaica Plain, but possibly at her parents' home with a GPS device the Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital, or the Worcester Recovery Center. <clears throat> Something humane, Reddington said. Well, we're going to find out. He said Lindsay Glancy, despite her medical status, is guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week, by two Plymouth County deputy sheriffs working paid details financed by the Duxbury Police. In other words, she's being treated as any other prisoner it's interesting there's two of them because there were two police 24 7 at the home of mark perkins staples avenue warwick when charlotte lester went missing back to the attorney he said his client has not been allowed by duxbury police to speak with anyone not her parents not her husband on the telephone or to visitors beyond a medical team social workers in the attorney who previously represented her. He said Clancy's parents drove to Boston from Connecticut Thursday, two-and-a-half-hour journey, to visit with her, but they were denied entry under orders from Duxbury Police. They were prevented from seeing her. She's not allowed to communicate with anyone. No, I'm going to say, just like any other prisoner. They want her given special treatment right now at this point, She's not being given special treatment. Reddington said that as he prepared to defend Lindsay Clancy, he toured the family's home. Plastic food, a black plastic food container with clear plastic top, the dinner Patrick had picked up was still on the dinner table. Drawings from the children are hanging on the walls. The rooms are covered with toys. Well, you have three children under the age of five. It was just so apparent their focus, the entire focus was the kids. I mean, the kids literally dominated the entire house, every single room. Little handprints, photographs, pictures. It's overwhelming when I was in it. I can only imagine. Uh, now, again, that's... Show me a home where you have three children under the age of five and you don't have that type of scenario. So, listen, she's going to get a defense. We're going to, I think, we're going to learn more details on Tuesday. And I want to repeat... This is the Boston Globe. Lindsay Glancy was over-medicated several prescription drugs, according to the defense attorney. Huge amount of info right there in the Boston Globe. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 508- 252-3359 propane heating and cooling it's propane plus their team's been there three generations they're available 24 7 for service and delivery and they plan on serving you for a long time to come they offer online billing ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button and remember all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 
885-4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508-252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401 885 4209. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. Joining us right now, he is a columnist with the Boston Globe. It is Dan McGowan. And uh, Dan, I th- I'd like to start off. You wrote a, I thought, really interesting column, and we'll talk about it a little bit, but about, you know, it's like the start of the season underway, Crown Plaza. And, you know, Speaker, Senate President, Governor McKee, all same location. Let's talk about that column that you uh, published in the Boston Globe. Yeah, so so the all of the major leaders in the state, and this is a kind of, I guess you would call it tradition, certainly for the House Speaker and the Senate President. <laughs> and what a some... tradition it is. <laughs> yeah, it's basically they hold a fundraiser for themselves <laughs> and and seek to, you know, stockpile their campaign war chest. Uh, and so this, this year, uh, all three of them were held last week, the governors, uh, the Speaker, uh, and the Senate President, all at the Warwick Crown Plaza on three different days. So just imagine, you know, of all the wonderful things you can do in Rhode Island, spending three nights at the Crown Plaza drinking, you know, fun, uh, drinking, uh, drinking and, and eating, you know, kind of cheap food. Uh, not exactly the most exciting uh, night, but the, th- the reason I found it very interesting was because you do it all in the same week, you can measure things against each other. Right. And, uh, and John, you and I talk to a lot of the same people. You're obviously well-sourced in this world. As you know, the number one thing these guys like to do is to say, I had more people at my fundraiser than this yep. one or that. And, that yes. one. And, and they all take notes. They make mental yes. notes of this. Um, and from the reporting that, that I can tell, and I talked to, at least a dozen people on this people who are at all three of these fundraisers um very clearly your your number one guy was not no surprise uh joe shikarchi the speaker he he had uh what one person who's been to a lot of fundraisers called said to me was uh a an all-time record turnout which you know i assume they're not keeping actual records of this but uh you'll see you know he'll raise a couple hundred thousand dollars this year um and even from this one event probably was close to six figures uh the one at the bottom of this of the of these three which was very interesting was governor mckee and i think again you you and i talked to a lot of the same people uh overwhelmingly people you know were, were pretty surprised by how few people turned out you know for the governor and there's lots of excuses in place there's you know, while the governor had a lot of smaller fundraisers leading up to this, that kind of thing. But make no mistake about it. All the powers that be in the state were paying attention to this. And everyone agrees it went Shikarchi, Ruggiero, and then the sitting governor, McKee, in terms of the, the size of fundraiser. And Dan McGowan, don't think that he didn't take note of that either. As far as Governor McKee. Now, I want to step back for a moment. I would love to know what the Kennedy School of Government or those people or someone like that would think of this. Because to me, this is the way I interpret it. And I've talked about this over the years. I went one time. Uh, Jerry Martineau, they allowed me. I, I didn't pay, but they allowed me. I, I was first moved back to Rhode Island, and they allowed me to kind of observe. So they stand at the entrance. It's almost like uh, if you're going in the wake. 
and and they that's the really the one time you get to see them. You greet them. Well, thank you for coming. Uh, there's the people at the table. You give you a check. Dan McGowan, to me, it's done at the start of I, – I see, like, the start of the season. And yes. this is – to me, this defi- – I know it may go out in other places, but I view this as it defines the pay-to-play. These are the people that expect to be involved with legislation, that be involved in the state house, and, and I've heard firsthand from people that when you reach, uh, you know, May or into April, May, into June – Sometimes you'll hear someone say, where were they in January? Oh, the lobbyist that wants this, where were they in January? I, I, I personally have a huge problem with this because just never mind the optics. I think it does operate that way. These are all the people that want stuff done, and this is where you show up, and it's like you're paying tributes to the mob boss. Yeah, I mean, let's be clear about this. <laughs> you know, if you're uh, the, the, the average uh, you know, Joe in, let's say, average Joe, let's say, in, in, in you know, Westerly is not making the trip no. to to just because they think that the speaker who represents Warwick is no. just so good at his job, right? They, it, it is always a, you know, you're, you're, it is a CNBC, and you describe it very well. It, you know, I know people get very sensitive about this. You said it's like paying tributes to the to, to the mob boss. It, it, is. it, it reminds me of this, this scene you've seen many times, certainly in the Godfather movies. Yes. You know, people come right up to you, kiss your ring, that sort of thing. I mean, it is very much like that because these guys are, it's their, you know, they want to know, you know, who's in the room. Certainly all of their allies and like, you know, in, in underlings uh, pay very close attention. Not only does you, you brought up, you know, where were they in January? You know, let's say at the end of a tough session or something yeah. like that. They also monitor did that person, you know, that person, uh, right? The maximum you can give in a year is a thousand dollars, and they'll say, did that per the, the common question? Did that person max out to me? And right. That means that they give a thousand dollars. What about and, the spouse? Exactly. What about the kids? What if, I mean, these things are all very real that happen now like you said i mean look it's it is it's a blurry line it is completely legal as long as there's no very clear you know you're you're not saying i'm giving you a thousand dollars so that you pass this thing or this you know this item in a budget or whatever but i mean the un, the unspoken problem here is very clear because you're right all of these guys are paying very close attention and you don't get things done um, certainly big things, you no. don't get them done without a donation to the, the top leaders in the state. Yeah, And again, I, I understand they didn't invent this, but they just kind of carry on. And it is, it's remarkable. Uh, somehow the Marriott got bumped out of this. I think the Marriott <laughs> was in the mix at one point, but Crown Plaza has become the place. They've done nothing to change it. But I, I know of people that say they walk through and the first thing they do is head for the exit. Like they don't care if you stay, they don't care if you have, a past appetizer, have a drink. All they wanted was that check and they right. stand right there and, and you're not going to get an opportunity to really speak to them that night, but there it is on full display. I, I, I'm surprised the Republicans don't make a bigger deal about it, Dan McGowan, only because I think the insiders are so used to this that they don't even realize like, Hey, this oh, actually doesn't really look good, but no one like seemingly points that out. But go ahead. I mean, it becomes it, first of all, it becomes part of their social calendar, yes. which is, which is uh, crazy. I think you're exactly right. The Republicans look the the. It's not like this is this is a hidden thing. The Democratic Party posts 
fundraisers on their website to say, hey, here's the schedule this week, because this is the thing. These guys, they coordinate them so that, oh, you know, you, you, you don't want to have, uh, you don't want to be the Speaker of the House and have the Senate President also having a fundraiser on the same night, God forbid, right? Right. And so you can literally look at, okay, there's the big fundraiser. It's at the Crown Plaza and you could protest it. You could, you know, you could just try to make a scene about it. Certainly there's lots of ways to do it. I'm actually surprised it doesn't happen more. I think it's because not just the Democrats, everybody sort of accepts it as, yes. you know, this, this common practice. It is a common practice, but you're right. I mean, the, the, the strangest part of all of it is, you know, everybody, everybody's in a rush to get there because they want to be in that first line to be able to see, you know, actually make eye contact. You know, the, the joke I've heard over the years is either you want to be the first one there or the last one out. Because That's right. Either way, the, the politician will probably see you. Yeah, I just and finally, if if like, I don't know if it would be Meet the Press or Tucker Carlson, or whatever. But if somebody actually did like a small segment on this and showed the three of them at all the nights, the various people going through, I I think some of the people involved would be like, hey, wait a minute, maybe this doesn't uh, look so good, folks. Quick quick break, much more ahead. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe, right here on the John DePietro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for, for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401 401- 434-1510, Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. We're speaking with Dan McGowan, columnist of the Boston Globe. Uh, Dan, just think about the State House for a moment. I'm curious your thought on, I like Ray Hull. I've known Ray Hull a long time. But um, Joe, Speaker Sakachi replacing uh, Charlene Lima with Ray Hull. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing. I, I, I'm less interested in the replacement of Ray Hull, uh, or, you know, with Ray Hull being the deputy speaker, in part because, like you said, I, he's my representative. I can see his house from when you know you and I are talking. Oh wow! Live that, live, live that close to one another. Good guy. I think like a very reasonable, moderate, you know, Providence police officer, well-known yeah. guy. Um, you know, he's a he's. A, I will say, but no need to you know overstate it. But he's he's responsive. He's considered well liked in our neighborhood yeah. as a representative. Um, the interesting thing is the depart is the push out basically of yeah. Charlene Lima, and and I think this goes down to a couple of different things. This is the speaker flexing his muscles a little bit more, getting a little more comfortable. You know, as the guy in power, um, he faced a lot of pressure. I, I think internally within sort of the Democratic caucus to push Charlene Lee out. There's a couple of reasons. One, she of course famously, you know, went after the the uh, Cranston rep Brandon Potter uh, last year. Remember, Potter was one of those progressives who actually crossed the line and supported Speaker Shikarchi. 
That's right. So they're, you know, they're buddies now and, and, you know, to some degree. And so this becomes, you know, that was part of the problem. You can't, you know, take out a newspaper ad against a, uh, you know, against a Democrat who is supported by the speaker. So I think that was part of the problem. Um, You know, I think, look, what, what Shikarchi has really tried to, I think, keep that house kind of flying under the radar. They pass the things that they, you know, need to pass when it comes to progressive legislation. But she has, a, you know, he has tried to run, I think, a very moderate chamber. But the thing is, is that every time they do something considered progressive or liberal, Charlene Lima, who's, who, you know, is not exactly the most uh, liberal Democrat, has been very critical. And what I think it came down to was, hey, you're, you're, you know, you're opposing the legislation that I need to, that I'm, you know, taking a chance on here. Uh, you're not on the team. This is basically the way this has been um, explained to her. But it's very interesting because Charlotte has been there for so long. She, in some ways, is like the recently beaten representative Anastasia Williams, somebody yes. who hangs on, who always has a constituency, you know, kind of of her own in the chamber. She always has five, six people that you know, like her and sort of like her as this outspoken kind of firebrand. And so it's me interesting to see how much she you know, is willing to speak up against a, a speaker who is, uh, I think, at the peak of his popularity uh, within that chamber. Yeah, and certainly power. I just heard she just talks too much. <laughs> she talks too much. She goes off the reservation. And um, and, and and I think exactly everything you just said, Sakachi right now, talk about submitting that he is the person in charge. Person of charge, by the way, Dan McGowan, as much as Tom Brady and the Boston Globe folks has tremendous coverage of the retirement of Tom Brady, which should not be overlooked is, I don't know the last time we've seen a retirement the way Hugh Clemens even did the, the, the final walk, <laughs> which we haven't seen. Far different than, and Dean Esselman was there. <laughs> or, or Prignano, I can tell you, didn't leave that way. But um, who's going to be the final three? It's my understanding that Brett's Mayor Smiley is going to have the down to the final three, and they're going to appear. I think it. I think it starts next, next week. Next week. Next week, February eighth. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And- you tell me, Dan McGowan, who are going to be those three that are going to be out there at these community forums? So I still think, and we talked about this last week, I still think you're looking at three internal potential choices. The number two, Oscar Perez, Kevin Lanny, uh, or Major David LaPayton. Those are the three that have have kind of uh, consistently are considered sort of in that group. They've all interviewed at this point. Um, I believe they've all had varying degrees of kind of success in those interviews. Remember, different styles, different kind of things in that way couple of sleeper names that I've heard. Uh, a big question, I think actually on, on the radio last week, Gene Valicenti brought this up. He, he, he said he had heard that it was that major, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Chief Oates, Tommy Oates in Woonsocket was a potential candidate. I can say as of last week, as of late last week, maybe last Thursday, Tom Oates had not applied for the job. Um, and so what we don't know is maybe, and that could change, it could always change, but he hadn't applied at least at that point. A sleeper name that I've heard internally in the Providence Police Department that has interviewed is uh, uh, Henry uh, Remolina, uh, yes. who, who is somebody who I think would be making several jumps here uh, to, to get that job. But my my reporting shows that uh, that Mayor Smiley really liked the interview that he had. So you mm. could see a chance where 
another person is added to that stage. But I think that top three kind of remains the same. Uh, Remolina, I, he's a major with the Providence Police Department, just for those. I, I think Oates, the Isabella thing scared off Oates. Um, what, what, but has, has, when is, do we know when the mayor's going to announce? And it's, it's only three that are coming out to these forums. Is that correct, Dan McGowan? They've said three to five. I three to five. Was, oh, I okay. It was, I, I, too, thought it was only three. In fact, I think the mayor may have said initially it would only be three. Um, it was made clear to me that it could be three to five. Uh, by by the administration. I think they're public about that now. So you could see more. I believe you're going to see that public hearing or interview process on February 8th, which, which I think is next Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and I think it'll come pretty quickly thereafter. She, uh, Mayor Smiley has said he wants this decision made by the end of this month now, February. Yep. Uh, and so I think you have to kind of take him at his word. I think they have a good sense of what they want to do, so it's not that hard. This this public process, though, um, is something I think Mayor Smiley really wants to see. He wants to see how you handle the you know the hard questions, the you know how you can control a room, and and you know, you know it's not like it's a test, right? It's not going to be you know each person gets thirty minutes and. Uh, and, you know, you got to see how you can handle crowd control. But, you know, there are people who are very, you know, strong and confident speakers who can kind of captivate a room. And there are people who are passive and, and who, you know, who, who don't have that strong ability. I think it will be really telling to watch it kind of up close and personal next week. Yeah, I think it's a mistake. I said it when they announced it. Whoever thought of this, it may sound good. But now Memphis, to me, has changed everything, and this thing could turn on a dime. It becomes very loud as advocates start going. I, I understand, but then when reality, and then you get into it, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to go, but I, I don't think this was a, is a good idea. It, it raises, I'll tell you, what, we're, what it really is becomes the challenge is, and I, I think it's a really spot-on point, John, because... It, it sounds great. And actually, I'll take the mayor at his word that he wants to see how they interact with the public. Do I think that, you know, this is the end all be all? This is the actual final interview? Of course not. I think Fred Smiley has a sense of what the direction that he wants to go. And then he wants to just see everybody in person um, and, and kind of handle it. But you're right. Now that you've had the situation in Memphis, this, this the problem becomes, you know, that is about let's say some level of police reform yeah uh and the and the the new the, the candidates for chief you know they're they're going to take a certain side or whatever suddenly you're potentially angering members of the union right so you're you're yeah. potentially angering members of the department uh so then you're getting off on a really wrong foot or you know, you're you're potentially going to be treated as the person who you know went against the community right because unfortunately in these conversations particularly when it's around incredibly sensitive issues like this one it it, it ends up being one or the other it is really hard to kind of place yourself where Chief Clements always placed himself which was somewhere in the middle but look he had a severe record of 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 that Brett Smiley, to some degree, has really placed himself in this place of, you know, I support the police, but I, you know, we, we, we certainly have to get the bad apples out of there. That's really nice to say when you're a candidate. It's a lot harder to, you know, kind of keep the support of 
everybody for the actual mayor. He hasn't had it kind of fall back on him yet. I think this thing in Memphis in particular, because it is, it, you know, it, it was so dramatic and so right. fairly clear as, as we, as far as we can tell, fairly clear cut that kind of everybody falls down on the same, roughly the same, you know, view, but look, this is the city of Providence is a real city. You will have a situation at some point, probably this year, probably in the next couple of months, because it's the way it works, where the mayor and the new chief are going to have to actually take a position on an issue that is blurry. Right. Right. It, it, when, whenever it's this, you know, the situation of, a, you, you know, use of force, you know, where there's video and it looks really ugly. Those are the ones that are hard because you've got a community that's like rabid and wants to, you know, protest. You've got a police department that says everybody's out to get us and, you know, you need to stand with us. So that's what's going to be really interesting the next couple of weeks. It'll be a huge test for the new chief. It will be. And and just again, go back to the forum. Another problem is, they, I mean, they, there's a lot of things they can't talk about. When, when we're at a press briefing and whoever it is on the police side that's running it, at any moment, they could just, you know, deflect on a question by saying, you know, due to the fact that it's an ongoing investigation, I'm, I'm going to hold off on answering that right now. You can't do that in an auditorium with 500 people. You get booed. All, you get shouted Yeah, down. you get booed. Yeah. They all start screaming. What do you mean? You know, I mean, again, I, I get in concept someone thought, let's put them out there. But I, I, I think no one's going to leave feeling good. People start to play to the crowd. Um this thing, I think, could go sideways very quickly. Folks, I there's a great, there's many great stories. The uh, Globe coverage of what happened in Duxbury has been fantastic, actually the best. And also, the, I love the story out of Cumberland on the little girl that uh, sent the DNA about Santa Claus to the police officer. There's a, a very extensive story about that. I'm also anxious to hear your colleague, Ed Fitzpatrick's new uh, podcast with the new head of the Rhode Island uh, Democrat Women's Caucus. And folks, each day, weekdays, I start my day with Roadmap, uh, which comes right into my inbox. It tells me every single day. He's so modest. He tells me something I don't know. There's links to all the top stories, including the fact that Joe Missoula is going to coach the NBA All-Star game. Uh, Dan McGowan. How can people start getting roadmap? Well, John, you also know my love for sports, and you can bet that I'm trying my best to find a way to get to the game in, in, in Rhode Island eyes, the, the NBA All-Star game. Amazing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thanks for the, those kind words, John. And, and, folks, everything John and I talk about every week, you can literally read uh, in Roadmap every morning completely free of charge. It just pops up in your inbox. All you have to do is sign up. And the easiest way to do it, send me a blank email, rinews at globe.com. You don't have to write anything. I'll know what it is. Rinews at globe.com. I'll sign you up. You'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dan McGowan, columnist of the Boston Globe. Dan, excellent job as always. We'll talk to you again. Thanks so much, John. Have a good one. The Kui sit in. 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn.
Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors, they specialize in patios, walkways, steps. They did a fantastic job on my outside steps. Outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installations, excavation, Call Limitless Outdoors today. Let's dream, build, and enjoy. 401-580-1852. Based in Smithfield, Limitless Outdoors. They also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces. Limitless Outdoors. Call them today. Free quote. Get the most of your outside. You're going to love what they can do for you. 401-580-1852. 580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. Dream, build, enjoy. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. Now remember, the, listen, the, the news today is about the cold. Kind of like if you have a heat wave, but it's just, it's the opposite. It's uh, it's bitterly, brutally cold outside. Now, folks, I, I want to, um, I don't know what to make of this, um, this story regarding the Chinese balloon. They're now, they're now, uh, China is now saying it's a weather balloon. I don't believe that. I don't believe anything they say. I don't, we, the Chinese spy balloon, and now China is trying to say, oh, no, no, it's, it's a weather balloon. I, I don't believe that. Um, China says it's looking into reports of a surveillance balloon in U.S. airspace. China's a responsible country. is always strictly abided by international laws. No intention to violate the territory. I, I don't know why we're not shooting it down. The Pentagon's tracking suspected Chinese high-altitude surveillance balloon over the U.S. I, I'm telling you, for the life of me, I, don't, I know they're saying they don't want to for fear that it could harm someone on the ground. I don't... Um, why, why, I, I just can't believe we haven't shut this thing down. How has it been? It's been floating there. Now, I know they're saying they're watching it. And obviously, if they're watching it, they're not that, you know, concerned about it, obviously. And I, I don't mean they're not concerned, but not enough to do something immediately. All right, let me see some of these other stories. How about a New Jersey councilwoman shot and killed, possibly targeted, attack outside her home? Aaron Katursky, who I've known and uh, worked with for many, many, many years now. He has a report on this. Sounds terrible. Authorities are confident politics played no role in the killing of this young New Jersey councilwoman, but the governor said the killing does appear targeted and specific. Eunice Jumfor had just dropped someone off at her home in Sayreville when the assailant approached on foot and shot her more than 10 times. Oh. Jumfor was found dead at the wheel of her SUV. She was new to her community and to politics, taking her seat on the borough council just last year, but already she was considered a rising star. She had been recently married, had a daughter, and she was a leader in her church in Newark, so authorities are now looking into her connections there. The FBI is involved this morning in working to find out more. Jumfer's death has left her community horrified and shocked. And Juju, the governor of New Jersey, said nobody could remember the last time a sitting elected official had been shot and killed. Juju? You know what's so odd about that is just the fact no robbery that they immediately, someone just went up and shot her. I'm going to get to the story about the zoos. This is uh, ridiculous. But this Chinese weather balloon, 
Let me hear the latest now. They traveled from Alaska here to Montana and is still on the move this morning. Pentagon officials telling ABC News they've decided not to force the aircraft down, but uh, adding all options remain on the table. Shoot it down. This morning, a suspected Chinese surveillance balloon hovering over the northern United States for days. The United States government has detected and is tracking a high-altitude surveillance balloon that is over the continental United States right now. The balloon seen here flying over Billings, Montana, oh, where it yeah. forced a ground stop at the city's airport, halting all commercial and general aviation flights in order to clear the airspace. Shoot it down. It's roughly the size of three buses with the technology bay attached beneath it, believed to be carrying high-resolution cameras, according to a senior U.S. official. Sources describe it as an aircraft designed to travel in a purposeful path, one that includes a number of sensitive U.S. sites. These are balloons that can be used for surveillance, for Earth observation, but they can also be used for military purposes. In this case, perhaps the Chinese were looking to collect high-fidelity imagery of sensitive U.S. sites, or they may have been intercepting communications, but they also could have been testing U.S. air defenses. A senior defense official saying they are confident the balloon was sent by the Chinese government. And this isn't the first instance this has happened in recent years. Once the balloon was detected, the U.S. government acted immediately to protect against the collection of sensitive information. Shoot this morning, it down. the Chinese government cautioning against what they describe as hype, claiming they're still gathering facts. The Pentagon, now closely tracking the balloon, says it currently poses no physical threat to civilians, commercial aviation, or U.S. military assets. Still, on Wednesday, defense officials say, as a precaution, the U.S. Air Force mobilizing F-22 fighter jets in case the order was made to shoot down the balloon. The contrail seen here in this image. It may have been possible for the U.S. Air Force to shoot this balloon down, but that also raises a risk, and that risk is if the missile misses or even if the missile hits the balloon, it could send hot shrapnel down on civilian areas anywhere in Montana. Well, U.S. officials noting that the path the balloon appears to be taking flies directly over at least some sensitive U.S. sites, including one of three nuclear missile silo fields in the nation at Maelstrom Air Force Base here in Montana, Georgia. You know, I watch Yellowstone. There's all, it's just land out there. What do you mean they're afraid it's going to, why, why are we even discussing this? Should have been shot down immediately. What is happening? I am so sick of the Chinese with their stupid lies and explanations for everything. It's a weather balloon. It's a spy balloon. Shoot it down. I can't get over that New Jersey story. Shot and killed. Ten shots as she pulled up in a SUV? I mean, it doesn't sound like it was a carjacking? I don't... I don't understand that one. I want to just get to the zoo story. It's very concerning. Apparently now all our zoo... Well, man arrested connection monkeys stolen from the Dallas Zoo. They're now saying that... um. These two emperor tamarind monkeys from the Dallas Zoo that they're now on, on high alert. All zoos need to be on high alert. I've heard that um, they're finding that sometimes, you know, people then want to sell them to people that collect all these exotic animals. So, so now all our zoos have to be careful. But, folks, just like, like many of you, I am... Um, I'm just thrown by the, the Chinese balloon story and why that has not 
been removed out of the skies. Well, we're afraid it may hit. I mean, don't we have the technology for that? Are we sending billions to Ukraine for all these special weapons we have? And we're just monitoring a suspected Chinese surveillance balloon that's been hovering over the northern U.S. for the past few days? That you can actually see it in the sky? What if then another one appeals, appears? At what point? That thing should have been shot down when it was over the Pacific. Speaking of Ukraine, they are on high alert. Major attacks. And uh, Russia's starting a major offensive. Let me just hear this uh, piece. In Kiev for us this morning. Hey, Raf, good morning. Good morning. Ukraine is on high alert today with President Zelensky last night calling a meeting of his top commanders for what he said was a particularly important conversation. And today he is urging his country to be ready. This morning, Ukraine sounding the alarm that Russian forces are on the cusp of launching a new offensive. Uh. Half a million fresh Russian troops have been mobilized, Ukraine says. Not all of them well-trained, but their sheer numbers meant to overwhelm Ukrainian defenses. In the eastern city of Kramatorsk, Russian missiles falling day and night. This direct hit on an apartment building killing four people, authorities say. The city's hospitals straining to treat the many wounded. I felt the pain and everything went dark, she says. President Zelensky vowing Ukraine will stay united, whatever comes next. We have been standing against evil for almost a year. At a World War II commemoration, President Putin making veiled threats of nuclear conflict with the West. They don't understand that modern war with Russia will be quite different for them. Despite Ukraine's pleas, Western tanks still weeks from reaching the battlefield. And no deal for now for NATO to provide F-16 fighter jets. Well, again, we're almost up to a year. Folks, it's hard to believe it'll be one month from now when it'll be the one year that I was actually over there. And it's still uh, it's still kind of hard to, hard to fathom. But it, it sounds as though things are only going in, in one direction. And... This next couple of weeks, this sounds like this is going to be, um, sounds like it's just going to be a brutal, brutal time uh, over the next 30 to 60 days. So again, the big story on this Friday is the weather without question. I don't know what to make of that that Chinese weather balloon. A couple of the updated other stories, which is the McKee sales tax has turned out to be a total joke. Where he would say, Governor McKee, think of what we're dealing with right now. We have a governor that in his state of the state said, I have good news. I'm going to save every household $77. Less than 100 Keep in mind, he's giving $3,000 bonuses to all the union workers to buy them off to vote for him. How much do you get? $77 a household. Well, now it turns out that's not even right. Now it turns out it sounds like it's more like $38. What a joke. You know, folks, it's it's amazing that, I mean, everywhere, um, well, not everywhere, but all these different insiders and people that I talk to, it, it's all this, everyone, no one can believe that he's actually the governor. Like, we're going to be stuck the next four years and again i know he's a nice enough guy and 
the whole, I know the whole thing, you know, plays cards with the mother and blah, blah, blah. But I, I'm just not, I mean, there's, to say there's no vision is, is an understatement. And, and Governor Raimondo, by the way, Governor Raimondo, she did an interview with Channel 12. And, and one of the things, she throws a jab at McKee. She said her biggest regret leaving early was leaving the Providence schools in the condition they're in. Providence schools are a disaster. Governor McKee did nothing to improve the situation. He really dropped the ball with the state takeover. And now it's it's just going to get muddled more in the mud. So I think it is interesting, though, that Governor Raimondo is saying that. And one of the people that she's very, very, uh, she's close with and worked with and supported was, at the time, she used to call him Mr. Smiley, Brett Smiley, who's now the mayor of the mayor of Providence. So you have Gina Raimondo saying, you know, my biggest regret is not doing more and fixing the Providence schools. But she, he was her director of administration. So you got to think that, you know, that she has his ear in regards to the Providence schools. Good, great job, by the way, Ted Nisi. It's a network quality interview of Commerce Secretary Raimondo with, um, with Ted Nisi at WPRI. All right, it's Friday, it's cold. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Remain healthy, stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401-305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skin care. It's my health. Pop in and see Marie. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401-305-3585, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. getting cold already this winter keep your family your employees warm with matthews oil company call them today 401-942-7500 matthews oil company 24-hour emergency service for over four generations they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe trusted oil delivery call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil they take pride providing reliable affordable service for you and your family celebrating 90 years of service call them now it's going to be a cold winter get that tank filled call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 in an emergency they offer 24-hour emergency service Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500.